Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. In Scripture, it says that Stephen looked up to heaven and he saw God, and he saw Jesus standing next to his father, looking at him, which was confirmation that in this moment when Stephen is dying, he saw Jesus. And that was exactly what I needed to hear so that I could know that when whatever was happening to Molly, that she knew that he was with her. And that in an instant, from the moment she was alive to the moment she died, she was in the arms of Jesus. And and that's what I carried with me to help quiet the fears that would come up in my mind. She wasn't alone. He was with her in that moment, and she has been with him ever since that moment. Doxology Bible Church is proud to present EverStory, launching wherever you listen to podcasts on June 6th. EverStory is a weekly, seasonal podcast featuring Christ-centered stories of hope and transformation, told by people just like you. No chit-chat, just raw, powerful stories. Stories inspire us to connect with each other in real, tangible ways. With stories, we're able to glorify a God who relentlessly pursues us. Mark 16:15 tells us to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. Stories embody who we are as Christians. Without them, Paul's letters would have never been shared. Without stories, a person with Christ in their heart might never find the courage to bring the word to their neighbor. Without stories, the Great Commission never occurs. Check in with us often as we introduce stories about the way Jesus' radical love is moving in truly awesome ways. Find EverStory wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow Doxology Bible Church on Facebook or Instagram at Doxology Bible. Want to share your story or know someone who might? Send us an email to stories at doxology.church. Because everyone has a story. Hey, it's Chris Freeland, and you're listening to the Doxology Bible Church Podcast. If you want to know more about who we are or learn to connect with us, please visit doxology.church. Most of all, we hope the following message will help you take the next step in your faith journey, whatever it is. This wasn't the way that rescue was supposed to look. It was a common saying among prisoners at Auschwitz that the only way out was through the chimney, not through the front gate, certainly not in broad daylight. The idea that a Jewish prisoner would be led out the front gate in broad daylight on the arm of a man dressed in an SS uniform, that wouldn't even make good fiction. It's not even remotely believable. But that's the way the rescue happened. Silas Sobolska came to Auschwitz on a cattle car in 1943 with her mom and her dad and 
two brothers and a sister. By September, she was the only one left. They put her to work in a grain factory where her job was to sew up the grain sacks. It seems simple enough, but if you know anything about Auschwitz and that particular chapter in human history, you know that her life was anything but simple. Every single day was an ordeal for her. She lived every day in fear. She was without a name, only known as inmate number 29558. She didn't have a name. She didn't have a future. She didn't have a hope. Her fate was sealed. She knew it. Everyone knew it. It wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. She too would make her exit, but not out the front gate, out the chimney. One day she met a young man. His name was Jersey. Jersey Belecki. He was a bit older, 23 years old. He was German and a Catholic, but he was wrongfully accused of being a part of the resistance regime against Hitler's regime, and he was thrown into Auschwitz among all of the other prisoners. He remembers the very first day that he met Sila. She and a bunch of girls were brought into the grain factory where he was already at work, and he remembers he caught her eye and she winked at him. It was against the rules for them to talk, so they had to sneak around but found ways to make conversation from time to time, day after day, week after week, month after month, and slowly but surely, Jersey and Sila fell in love. Jersey determined he was going to rescue Sila, but she didn't know it. She didn't expect it. She had any hope of rescue. If she ever dreamed of rescue, surely her hope was tied in a flash and a bang and the allied forces storming the world's greatest prison, surprising the guards. That was the only way if the guards caught wind of a rescue planned afoot, they would exterminate all of the prisoners and hope would be lost. If hope was going to come, if Sila ever dreamed of a rescue, the rescue she dreamed of was a big one. Shock and awe, flash and bang. It was the only way out. That and the chimney. So when Jersey told her on July the 20th, 1944, that on the very next day, an SS agent would walk into the room where she was at work and compel her to go with him for interrogation, that she should go willingly and not resist. It would have been hard for her to think, hard for her to dream that this was good news because that's not the way rescue stories start. But here's what she didn't know. Jersey had a connection with an inmate who had just so happened worked in the factory where SS uniforms were made. And week after week, he would smuggle small scraps of uniforms to Jersey who meticulously pieced them together. Sila didn't know that Jersey had found papers laying on a desk that he'd stuffed into his shirt and using a pencil and an eraser had forged into documents saying that a young Jewish girl should be allowed to be taken out of Auschwitz through the gate with an SS agent to a nearby police station for interrogation. 
And when July the 21st, 1944 came, what Sila didn't know is that Jersey himself had put on that uniform he'd so meticulously crafted, that he'd taken those papers in his hand. And it wasn't until he showed up in the room where she was working and in German demanded that the guard supervising their work release her, that she knew there was something different about this agent, something different about this rescue. And she went willingly. And Jersey marched her across Auschwitz in broad daylight, all the way to the front gate where he presented the papers to the guard who was stationed there. And he waited, she waited for what seemed like eternity before the guard finally looked at them and said two words, Ja, Danke, yes, thank you. And out of the front gate in broad daylight, they walked. All the while, Jersey feeling pain in his back from where he was sure at any moment the bullets would pierce him. But the bullets never came. The shots never came. They reached the forest and walked into the forest. And once they were out of sight, they began to run as fast as they could. And for, for six days, they ran through the forest, across rivers. And on day six, Silas' feet were so wounded and battered by the terrain that Jersey picked her up and carried her. For four days, he carried her through the forest, over the rivers, to freedom. It's not the way the rescue was supposed to look, but it's exactly the way the rescue happened. Don't you just love a great rescue story? I gotta tell you, that's why I love Christmas. Because I believe that God did at Christmas exactly what Jersey Balecki did for Silas Sabulska, only on a cosmic, eternal level for all of humanity. See, the Bible's clear from the beginning to the end that all of humanity, all of us, live in a world surrounded by death. And hopelessness. That all of us are in need of rescue. We don't think about it very often, but sometimes it comes to our mind when we recognize the hopelessness around us, when we recognize the brokenness that enters our story, we begin to dream of hope. But most of the time when we think of hope, it takes a lot of different forms. Some of us think that if hope is going to come, if peace is going to come to our world, if the brokenness is going to come to the end, that it's going to have to come through the government. We expect our hope for our world, for our country to come riding in on Air Force One. We place our hope in family and a spouse or in children. We say things like, if I could just get married, everything would get better. My life could have purpose. If I could just get pregnant, my life could have meaning. I could have hope. Everything could be different. When we look at the brokenness, we look at the hopelessness, we look at the helplessness, when we dream of rescue, it takes lots of forms when it comes. If it comes. But this, this Christmas story 
It didn't sound like much of a rescue story. A baby born in a manger, that's not the way the rescue story's supposed to go. It's not the way the rescue's supposed to look. It's why so many of us miss it. It's why it's so tempting to just rush past it. It's why, for some of us, it's so hard to believe. It's not the way it's supposed to look when rescue happens, but it's exactly the way the rescue happens. God sent a rescuer for all of humanity, his name is Jesus, sent to save us from our sins. It's an important part of the story. The Bible says that's what's wrong with our world. It's called sin. Sin is what separates us from God. Our sin, sin of others. It's what's responsible for the brokenness in our world and it holds us captive, all of us, separated from God. The Bible uses that language, but it's also true in our experience, isn't it? None of us is perfect. All of us have fallen short. And if we look at our experience, what we find is the more we try to be perfect, the more we try to look like God, the less like God we look. We're trapped. We can't help who we are. We're prisoners. We need to be forgiven. We need to be set free. All of us. That's the story of Christmas. God sent a rescuer, but he didn't come the way you and I expect the rescue to come. But don't feel bad. The people around Bethlehem, the people in all of Israel didn't expect it this way either. Every time they read their Bibles and saw God show up, they saw him show up with a, with a flash and a bang. With fire on a mountain, with a pillar of fire leading them through the wilderness. With lightning, with thunder, untouchable, unapproachable. Who would have thought, who would have dreamed that we could hold God in our hands? The giver of light, born in the night, revealing God's glorious plan to save the world. To save the world, God put on flesh. That's what John chapter 1 verse 14 says. It says he became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? So he could walk us out of captivity. Well, how did he do that? Well, he, he took on flesh and dwelt among us and lived a perfect life and then stared down our greatest enemy, death, and kept on Walking. He became sin, who knew no sin. He took it on himself and he died. He took it into the grave, an ultimate prison. And then he walked out the front door in broad daylight. And he offers to carry you and me, not only out of captivity, but through the forest, across the river, all the way to freedom. All he asks us to do is to put our trust 
in him. See, that's the thing with rescue. When the rescuer comes to take you out, you need to go with him if you want to be rescued. The story of Christmas, the story that says the rescuer has come. Even though the story doesn't look like you expected the story to look. Born in a manger in Bethlehem, God sent a rescuer to lead you and to lead me to freedom from everything that's held us captive. The story of Christmas is that the rescuer has come. But the story leaves us with a question. Will you go with him? Would you pray with me? You can wait for a more stereotypical rescue. You can wait for a cookie cutter rescue story, the one that you would write where you rise from the ashes against all odds, where you figure out life on your own and personally overpower everything that held you captive. But then again, if we were going to rescue ourselves, wouldn't we already be rescued by now? God sent a rescuer as a part of his plan to save the world. The rescuer appeared. His name is Jesus Christ. And tonight, he's calling your name. You're not just a number. He's inviting you to go with him. And even though it's not the way you expected the story to go, it's exactly the way the story happened. The only way rescue can happen. And the question tonight is, will you go with him? If you've never responded to the rescuer, you can respond in this moment, in this place, on this night. Right where you sit. If you've never trusted in the rescuer, you can trust him tonight. To allow him to carry you in his arms. And it's as simple as in these moments of prayer, telling God in the privacy of your own heart, Jesus, I believe you're the rescuer sent from God that you died for me, that you rose from the dead and walked out the front gate of the tomb and that you're offering to carry me not just when I die, but while I walk. I believe that and I'm trusting you in this moment on this night. If this morning you're connecting with Christ or this evening for the very first time, I just want to encourage you as this service comes to an end just a little bit later to tell someone. Gary talked about a connection card just a little bit earlier where uh, you, you can indicate that you're connecting with Christ for the very first time. If you take that out to the Welcome Center afterwards, there's somebody that would love to celebrate with you, not to make you religious, not to try to, uh, to, to give you all kinds of rules to follow, but to celebrate with you that you've received the most incredible gift that you could possibly receive at Christmas, the gift of a savior, the gift of a rescuer, the gift of hope and a purpose and meaning for your life. They'd love to celebrate with you and answer any questions that you've got about that. For those of us who have trusted Christ to carry us out of the grave already, the message of rescue at Christmas is that we can celebrate even when we walk through the forest, that we've got a rescuer who will carry us as we go as surely as Christmas morning. 
And it could be that tonight you've trusted Jesus to save you from death. But you need him to carry you through life. And in this moment, the object of your faith is the same. The cry of your heart has to be the same. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you walked out of the grave and that you gave me life everlasting, but that you didn't just leave me here to figure it out, that you offer to carry me every step of the way when I can't carry myself. And tonight I'm remembering what Christmas is all about. And even though it doesn't always look the way that I would think that it would look, you are the great rescuer. And tonight I'm renewing my trust in you. God, that's the cry of our heart tonight. This isn't the way that we would have drawn up rescue, but God, that's a great thing. Who would have thought, who would have dreamed that you would come for us in the first place, but then the Lord, the way that you came, light in the darkness, a baby that you took on flesh and dwelt among us, that you showed us how to live, you showed us where we fall, but you offer us hope even against our greatest enemy. Lord, this evening, for those who are trusting you for the very first time, I ask that you would give them strength and courage to walk the steps to someone, whether it's a person that, that brought them tonight or a, a person that's out at a welcome center after the service is over, if they're trusting Christ, to, to have the courage to tell someone to walk that far, Lord, will you carry them? For the rest of us, Lord, we've trusted in you to save us from death. Lord, would you carry us through life? As Christmas gets busy, as we move beyond Christmas, Lord, don't let us move beyond the rescue story. Don't let us move beyond the rescuer. And allow us every single day to open our eyes and to trust you, to put our hope in you, to find ourselves resting in your arms. Lord, we're grateful for Christmas. We're grateful for hope. We're grateful for rescue. In the name of Jesus, the Messiah. We pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Doxology Bible Church podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. If you're ever in the Fort Worth area, we'd love to worship with you in person at one of our services. For more information on service times and location, visit doxology.church.